The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle salvation hello everyone and welcome to the battle for salvation podcast i'm randall slate and that's it so if you're wondering where max is he is in the majority of this episode however i made a little oopsie with the editing process for this episode and i seem to have lost this little section we recorded uh, previously, and Max is on vacation now, so I'm going to have to re-record it all by myself. So in this episode, I'm going to be going over some stuff about the uh, Gen Con, which is a recent tournament, recent uh, Grand Clash that just happened, and we have an interview with a very prolific UK-based player by the name of John Wynne Reese, which I hope you will enjoy. But before we do any of that, let's go over some upcoming tournaments. So we have... Nova, which is a big convention out here on the East Coast, is in Virginia, and that starts on the Thursday, August 29th. That's the first day of Underworlds going uh, throughout the, the rest of the weekend. I hope to see a bunch of you guys there. Come up and talk to us. Max and I will both be there. Then we have the Portal. That's on September 28th. That is in Manchester, Connecticut. That's a grand or that's a uh, hit tournament, and it's in Manchester, Connecticut. So if you are in Massachusetts or even Rhode Island, I would think about uh. Coming to that one. Then we have The Rift uh, the next day, uh, September 29th. That is in Peekskill, New York. So if you're from New York or if you're from northern New Jersey, I would think about going to that one. So let's move on to Gen Con. So Gen Con is the first big tournament, first Grand Clash with the new Band and Restricted list. I believe it is the first, a big, first big one in the U.S. with the new Band and Restricted list. And as a result, we've seen... A Garrix Reavers deck winning first place. And, you know, the the Band and Restricted list was, I think we can all agree that it was pretty heavily targeted towards Malog, Cursebreakers, and Thundrix Profiteers. So it was it was the time was ripe for a season one warband to win the tournament since a lot of those decks had gotten knocked down a peg. And so let's go over it. So this is a, you know, when you look at the cards, you can see that this is a very aggressive deck, and it looks to take as many fighters as possible off of the board, including his own fighters, which will, of course, inspire him and allow him to score some of these uh, interesting objectives. So let's, I'm not going to go over everything, I'm just going to go over some of the standout stuff. So the first thing we have is, we have this card called Pure Carnage, and it says, score this in the third end phase if seven or more fighters out of action. Now we've seen cards similar to this in the past, and some of them are not actually scorable in some games. However, the Garrick's Reavers have five fighters, and then every other warband in the game has at least three, so this is possible to score in every game that you will play, if you meet the conditions. So this is a cool uh, inclusion, not a card we see all the time. Then we have this card called Draw the Gaze of Corn. It says, score this immediately if your warband takes two or more enemy fighters out of action in this phase. And we have a lot of 
direct and unavoidable damage, which could probably help uh, make this a little bit more reliable, because this is a little bit difficult to do. We have this one called It Begins. It says, score this in an end phase if at least one fighter from each warband is out of action. Uh, this player has a lot of ways to take his own fighters out of action as well as his opponents, so pretty cool card. Then we have this card, Corn Cares Not. It says, score this in the end phase if five or more enemy fighters out of, are out of action for two. So similar to Pure Carnage, it gives one less glory, but requires that only five fighters are out of action instead of seven. And then we have this one called Branching Fate. This is a fairly new one. Haven't seen this one too much. It says, score this immediately if you roll three or more dice in an attack action or defense roll, and they all show a different symbol. This is a little confusing. However, there are some um, cards in the gambits and upgrades that will allow fighters to get additional dice so you can get uh garrick or sake up to three dice fairly easily and then there's also karsis who i believe starts with three dice. yeah his brutal chop and his chained axe are both three dice at the beginning so pretty cool let's moving over to gambits um some of the interesting ones we do see Shardgale here this is a way for him to possibly uh score this Draws the Gaze of corn, where you have to take two fighters out of action, um, or even kill some of his own guys for It Begins, or corn Cares Not, or Pure Carnage. So this is a card that has been popular throughout the, the lifespan of the game, or since um, Far Striders came out. And it's just an extremely powerful card, but it is symmetrical. It will hit your own guys, so you have to be careful when you use it. He does have Trap. As a restricted, this is a way to get some extra damage in. Could potentially kill some guys for uh, Blood for the Blood God, something like that. We have Blood Offering. This is an extremely powerful card for Eric's Reavers. It says, choose a friendly fighter. They suffer one damage. Roll two extra attack dice for the first attack action in their next activation. So it's like a it's like a ploy potion of rage that you have to uh, take a wound in order to use. We also have Encroaching Shadow. This works great in combination with Shardgale. You can hit somebody that has like two health that's on an edge hex and then play shard gale and then you can get you can kill them get advancing strike possibly get this it begins or um blood for the blood god with that and then we have some accuracy boosting cards this is great in a warband like this we have fueled by fury that gives a reroll we have um the blood offering and the uh, haymaker and the upper hand those are all um ways to increase your accuracy and push damage through onto the enemies then for upgrades, uh, we do have Hero Slayer. This is a really fun card. Uh, it is a attack action upgrade with uh, one range, one hammer that does four damage. So when you use this in combination with something like uh, Blood Offering or Haymaker, you have a pretty good chance to get that four damage through. We also see Crown of Avarice. This is a card that we're seeing pop up in a ton of competitive decks currently. Uh, it is a reaction upgrade. It says, during an attack action or gambit that will take this fighter out of action, choose an opponent and take up to one of their unspent glory points. And this was recently FAQ'd to say that this occurs after your opponent picks up the glory that they get from killing your guy, and then you just steal it right back. So it is extremely powerful in these decks that have a lot of, uh, you know, at least five uh, characters that are fairly weak, maybe de defend on dodges or something like that. It's a good way to just, you can just kind of go, you can go ham with one of your fighters and then put Crown of Avarice on them while they're in enemy territory. It makes them a lot less appealing to attack. So, really cool deck. Uh, I would suggest checking it out. It's on Underworld's DB. 
if you're interested in playing Garrick's Reavers. And this this deck also also interesting part about this deck is that it only draws cards from ten card sets. So if you're on a budget playing this game, this might be a nice deck for you to try. And we know that this was a a, a good deck piloted by a good player because he had to defeat our good friend Aman Husro from the Path to Glory podcast and the Hexes and Warband blog, Hexes and Warbands blog, in order to win this tournament. We know Aman is a, just a great player, so I figured we'd go over his deck, too. He is still running Thundrix Profiteers, however, with the new Band and Restricted list, I'm sure he had, like, five additional... Yeah, I'm sure he had, like, ten restricted cards after um, the, the list came out, so he had to make some some pretty extreme changes so in the objectives part we have this new one this is called sound finances haven't seen this one before it says score this in an end phase you have five or more unspent glory points and you get two glory for that so uh pretty interesting i'm sure you had to get rid of you know two or three restricteds to to fit that in but he definitely still wanted to have a lot of the score immediately cards because that is how you're able to inspire you know, Thundrick and uh, the rest of the Warband. So change of tactics and calculated risk uh, have stayed in. Going to Gambits, uh, a lot of changes here. We have we have him running Shardgale, which is a little precarious since he does have some um, two health fighters and he also is running calculated risk. So it's going to be kind of awkward if you have, you know, a guy with one health left after running through the, the lethal hex and then you have Shardgale in your hand, maybe you draw it. But uh, that does do a lot of damage and... It can, you know, if you're able to use Shardgale and then get a shot in, you can potentially kill uh, a couple of your enemy fighters in, in one activation phase. We do see him running Trap. That, that is a restricted. Um, and we, you know, coming in, these weren't here before, but we have Toxic Gases, Encroaching Shadow, and Lethal Ward. These are direct, unavoidable damage cards. Toxic Gases, you do get a choice, but I'd say it, it, you, you do get a choice of either taking the damage or allowing... Uh, a push, so I kind of put those all in the same category. But having Encroaching Shadow and Lethal Ward in combination with Shardgale and all these ranged attacks is uh, pretty deadly. Going over to upgrades, there are no restricted upgrades. Um, all of those were spent in the Gambits and Objectives section. Some interesting ones, we also see him running Crown of Avarice. Uh, just a great card, I think it fits well in this deck. Um, and we also see Tome of Glories. This one is a upgrade... Tome says, action, if this fighter is holding an objective, gain one glory point, and then place a charge token next to this fighter. So I'm not really sure what that was for, possibly um, just to keep keep up with a lot of the high-scoring decks with that, that, run, uh, that are playing on the objective markers. Um, you probably want to go over to his blog and see his uh, explanation of that. But we also have a new card here from Power Unbound called Prize Vendetta. It says, when you apply this upgrade, choose an enemy fighter. You can re-roll all attack dice in attack rolls for this fighter's attack actions that target that enemy fighter. So this is great for um, a lot of the fighters like Deadeye Lund, who has Cleave, or even um, Enric Ironhale, who has three or four dice. Getting the reroll on that is uh, going to be pretty helpful to score the different objectives. So yeah, Gen Con seems like an interesting tournament. I'm sure everyone had a, a great time there. It was nice to see a Season 1 Warband. We keep, we keep talking... Uh, Talking a lot of smack about how the Season 1 war bands are bad and people keep proving us wrong. So we're going to have to maybe change our perspective on that. But anyway, 
I hope you enjoy the interview coming up with John Wynn Reese. And thank you very much. All right, John Wynn Reese, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. And before we get started, I want to make sure that we plug canyourollacrit.com, which is a blog that I've been reading since before I had a podcast. So thanks for doing that and putting so much effort into it. That's okay. That's fine. It's my pleasure. As long as I'm helping people with the game, that's all that really matters. Oh, absolutely. I, th I think um, the, it, it's the, um, the, not the responsibility, but it just happens to be that like that becomes our responsibility. If you're going to start putting out content, you have to be uh, like an ambassador to the game. And I feel like you're doing a really good job of that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because when I started, it was just to help people. Um, because, yeah, I thought it'd just be a useful resource. Because um, it's interesting, because uh, a lot of people asked me if I started it just to get free stuff. And that was <laughs> never the intention. But that probably uh, that was, was just right? a, Well, because I know people who have uh, and solely do stuff just to try and get free stuff. But for me, it's more just about helping people learn the game and grow it um but yeah it's kind of gotten way way bigger than i expected my website to be considering especially considering it's just a blog website really yeah it's just but it's it's very high quality i mean again i i knew about oh, it thanks. before doing anything uh you know content providing as well uh question for you um how how and and why did you get into this game in the first place uh so originally I was told about the game from my friends. Uh, so we all used to play Warhammer really regularly uh, and they learned about Underworlds via like, I think the preview was the LVO 2017. Okay. Oh, so this and is got way at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, so they really got into it. I didn't really care. Um, then it was about two weeks for, from pre-order. They had all pre-ordered and I didn't really, I was just sitting on it and then I was like, well, it's only 35 quid. Right. Well, yeah, and then I just bought it two days before pre-order, well, before release, so then I got it. I uh, thought it was okay at first, and then just decided to play. Uh, well, I started playing more and more. My friends kind of lost interest while I started gaining interest. And then I kind of just, they dropped it, but then I continued it and then started going to, because uh, there was a local store near London that did a tournament two weeks after Iron Skulls Boys and Sepulchral God came out. Mm um and that was my first tournament where i somehow managed to come second and then it all kind of just started from there cool what did you take to that first one uh, iron skulls boys so yeah. originally i was playing steel hearts but then i got bored of them because where i was playing we figured out the best way to play them at that time was to sit back and do nothing and just go on objectives um so when we got iron skulls boys it kind of well they were oryx and they're just fun to play and they had more tools uh, so then I just started playing them and they helped me learn the game better. All right. Sounds great. Um, so, and then it just kind of blossomed from there, right? Yeah. Cause I spent about, let's see, two months playing Iron Skulls Boys consistently, took them to a few tournaments, could only get second. Uh, and then I decided to switch it up to Steel Hearts because I realized they suited how I played better uh, as an aggro warband because everyone was just playing them as control. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, I started uh, winning tournaments, uh, partly just because of experience and then because people would think I would sit back, do nothing, uh, and then I'd just run forward and hit them. Uh, so none of them expected it. A oh, little rope-a-dope. Yep. Or when, because uh, I was, at that time, I was known for wiping people out either in the first or second action phase. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's because you could get really killy weird uh, steel hearts, and people just didn't expect it. Yeah. All right. That's that's crazy. Just right away, huh? All right. Yeah. Um. So so where? What's your what's your local scene? Uh. So the local scene is my London scene. Uh. It's definitely one of the bingo, uh, biggest and strongest scenes in the UK. It started quite small because originally there were only about four of us, and then uh, my mate Jack, because uh, we, he kind of set everything up and started like organizing regular dates, networking with stores to grow scenes uh, where we could just play. Uh, and then through that, uh, he was running tournaments as well. And then I got into the local um, club to me called Hate, which is Hackney area tabletop enthusiasts. So then I just got in through that and then it just kind of blossomed. Uh, but London is a really tough scene because, uh, well, because I've traveled around the country, I kind of know how everyone plays really. Like there's a trend, but yeah. in, Land in London and the, pretty much the surrounding area, everyone plays pretty much aggro. Uh -huh. um, so if it's the toughest place to play because everyone is in your face, because um, especially with the core people we started with, um, like, because the interesting thing is when control got really big, it was really big because um, the demographic is basically London is aggro. The more south you go and the more north you go, the more like hold objective style they play. And then the further north you go, like up into around the Sheffield area, the more control they play. Um, because I actually find going up north easier. Uh, it's very expensive, which is why I can't go up there regularly. Right. Uh, but the, the problem is people up there usually can't take the kind of aggro we play in London. Because uh, they're not, it's very, not used to it also. Well, it's, it's usually we're in your face immediately and forcing you to make decisions. Right. Because um, the first time I went up to Sheffield, uh, I was going up there only because my friends were driving up there for an X-Wing tournament. Uh, and I played through their 16-man tournament. That was when I was using my aggro Skaven. And basically, I think I was the only aggro player there because I was pure aggro and just... I won the tournament, but it was like 2-1, 2-1, 2-1. But it was just by literally running into your face. Yeah. But it's really difficult to play down in London because... Well, for me any, anyway, because everyone knows how to play around that. And we always, we've always been playing since the start of the game how to deal with control. So it's very difficult to play because they kind of know my tricks, but they also know how we're going to run into each other and how we're going to get to each other. So it's kind of like this. Um, it's really interesting because they know all the aggro tricks because I actually struggle against aggro the most. Um, well, because but, it, it um, comes down to dice mostly at that point. Yeah, because there's a weird thing about aggro matchups where if both players are really balanced, it literally just comes down to dice rolls and who gets the better first trade. So when a player knows that, you literally just have to gamble when you go in. So that's what makes it really difficult. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds cool. So so who's who's in your scene right now? Uh, that, that maybe we would know. Uh, probably. I still think... Hmm, I'd still say... he's. I don't want to tell her, but he, it will inflate his ego. Hopefully <laughs> he doesn't listen. But um, Do uh, David Smee is still, I'd say... Maybe the best or one of the best players in the country. It's just, uh, he's always been really good. It's always difficult when we play. Uh, the funny thing is, if we meet each other in a tournament, I will win. But if he's playing at a Grand Clash, if we're both playing at a Grand Clash together, 
he generally does better than me. Okay. Uh, so we joke when he's not going to a Grand Clash, I can win. Okay. Because uh, the Grand so, Clashes I've won, he's not been at. So. Got it. So, so is that because of the style of play or just dumb luck? Uh, well, we're both, I'd say, uh, me and him both have crazy, like, limitless strategies that people don't expect. Uh, but when we're playing against each other, we're kind of doing the same crazy strategies. Right. Um, so it's just kind of trying to one-up each other constantly. So it's very difficult, but fun. Gotcha. Uh, then we also have, I mean, a few players have stopped playing competitively. Um, like, they just want to focus on growing the scene. Uh, but we have another player called uh, Laura. She's really good. She just beat me in the London League final. Uh, so now she's the league champion. Uh, but she's a really solid. Well, she started with Reavers, and now she's back to playing uh, God's One Hunt, and right. she's just a really good player as well. Well, I mean, uh, I hear Reavers are good again. So, oh, they've always been good. People have just been sleeping on them. Yeah. Um, but um, who else? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good players as well. I like from the Reading area, but in central London as well. Uh, we had one good player, but then. Who won a Grand Clash, but then he quit over the ban and restricted list because he thought it was unnecessary, <laughs> oh, really? uh, which I, I mean, found hilarious. Yeah, uh, he was a really the thing is he helped me um, uh, he helped me level up my game to help me win Grand Clashes. Gotcha. Uh, but then he, he he unfortunately rage, rage quit. So there's there's no need to message him. I mean, oh, okay. him out he's, because... he's not listening. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, it's fine. So and and are there? Correct me if I'm wrong, but when when because I've been following you know your progress because um, hmm. you post it and it's easy to do. Um, it seems to me like there are a lot of events near you. Am I correct? Uh, not so much in London. When it first started, yeah, but uh, it's only recently the London stores have started doing tournaments again. Okay. So it's just in the surrounding area, which is about two hours travel. Um, so I just travel a lot compared yeah. to everyone else. Uh, so there... I go to a lot of tournaments, but the tournaments around me aren't actually quite near. I no. mean, they're near if you're in like America. Because um, the funny well, thing yeah. is, like, I mean, how how many would you say? Sorry, just 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 to get an idea, how many of those um, tournament uh, hosting stores or or uh, places uh, do you have in that two hour radius? Uh, let me think. Because that's about how far I'll travel for one as well. Probably about 30. Yeah, yeah, because my number is definitely under 10. It's probably like six or seven. Well, yeah, because when my friends played X-Wing, they're really successful in it, but they always constantly travel to tournaments pretty much every weekend. So I, when I said, well, when I wanted to take this game seriously, um, I was like, uh, I want to do the same, because uh, then it would mean I'd start going to other stores outside of games workshops. Right. Uh, and then also, well, when I like um because i've had experience playing 40k and age of sigma and warhammer fantasy competitively and when you'd see people around the world saying oh, i'd love to go to these tournaments but there's none nearby i thought well i might as well there's no excuse for me not to because then i'm supporting the stores but then uh, like there's no reason not for me to go to a local tournament all right yeah, I mean, I, I I try to go every every time. I've I've even tried hosting a couple. We do one at the at the BFS club, uh, which mm. had one at the Rift uh, yesterday. Um, oh, cool. so, yeah, I'm just trying to make it happen, you know. And then um, I do a lot of traveling up to Connecticut for the same reason. But it's all like again, it's like a two hour radius. I'll go to. Mm. Um, so so that makes sense to me. All right. Um, question: uh, What's your favorite Underworlds faction to play, and why? 
uh, Spyclaw Swarm. Always. Because yeah, uh, when I first played them, so originally I was planning to play them for the first Grand Clash I went to, but I was like, I only had a week to play them, so I was like, there's no point, I'll just stick with Steel Hearts. Yeah, you're talking about uh, the Skaven, right? Uh, no, 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 the Skaven. Oh, the Skaven. Okay. You said Spectral, I couldn't really understand. Sorry, um, no, it was the Skaven. Spike close. So, like, the way I look at Warbands is I look at their stats and then what I want to do. So I realized they had the highest base movement in the game, uh, which would just crush anyone playing Control. Right. Um, and then Scr Scritch, Scritch the was reach. really damaging. Yeah. And he has the reach, so he's a front range of seven. Um, and then all I needed to do was just buff up the Clan Rats, which was... It got easier as the time went on. Um, and they're just really fun, uh, because when Scritch goes on a killing train, it's... Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and my favorite thing is when you're playing Spike Claw Swarm and then your opponent realizes they, there's nowhere for her to hide from him. Because um, that's, it's like that threat. Like once you put Scratch near the middle of the board, like I've won games because my opponent's gone, wow, there's, there's nowhere for me to hide now. Um, so it's just murdering. And then you can give him like uh, one of his uh, Scurry, I believe. So after he attacks, he can push himself. So you can just, can, no, before he attacks, oh. he pushes himself. Oh, so, so he, he just keeps yeah, he faints in slides and... across the board on so that, guard. That, it really gives him a threat range of three then. Yeah. Yeah. And he just uh hitting for damage three or four. And they're just really fun to play. Yeah. Because uh, you, you can do a lot the, of tricks with them. What do you think about the current iteration right now that's been going around the the bullet rats where you um load up uh the um what is it, the festering the hungering and the uh what's the other one? The festering stakes given? Oh the festering hungering build. Uh, yeah. I think that's a stupid build personally. because uh, really? it abuses the game um because you get rewarded for killing your own fighters when mm. that shouldn't be. It's it's just abuse really. Uh, so I don't expect it to last long, and I just, it's okay. like, it just, inf I don't like playstyles that support a negative play experience, because I've had someone try to defend it to me, saying it's fun to play against, it's like, how is it fun to see your opponent constantly killing their own fires to get glory while you get nothing? Uh, it's not, not something I enjoy. I still think Skaven can do better without that build, uh, but for me it's just too gimmicky and just a negative build overall, so I don't mm -hmm. really uh, think that's a good build. Um, I, I mean, I've played against it a few times. It's, I mean, it seems I, I've beaten it, but I've also gotten beaten by it. I think it's pretty just balanced. Uh, I know how to beat it, but I just think yeah. I don't like play styles that just uh, enforce a negative play experience on the game. Gotcha. The same with, like, I'd compare it to uh, Catafrain Relics, Stormcast, but that one's more beatable. Like, if you know how to beat yeah. it, it's easy. Well, it's yeah. not easy. Um, like, I can still take it apart, but expecting everyone to be able to do it uh, and you go, oh, you're just killing yourself. Yep, right, and you yeah. get glory for it. Yeah, and anybody oh, okay. who's never seen it before or doesn't have a lot of experience would definitely just get plowed by it because they don't know. It's it's, it's um, it's uh, if if you don't know if you don't know what to do, like how like how do you approach that if you're playing against it? Well, it's easy. Just kill Scritch as soon as kill possible, scratch, right? and you then just you just assassinate him, right? Exactly. And then, and then you... after Scritches, you just make him burn it. Right. Like you just start killing the bearer because uh, they can only bring up, bring him back once. Right. Um. If they, and then if it falls apart. Right. Yeah. I mean, the deck's useless if the bottom deck is, uh, if you bottom deck Crown of Avarice and uh, Bag of Tricks. Right. So it's 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 Depends relying on. basically yeah. on you getting Black Hunger and Crown of Avarice up early. Yeah. Um, but when it does work, it's just boring and negative to play against in general. Did, did you have a similar um, feeling when Malog came out? Not really. I, I think Molog is... Well, now he's pretty much fine with the new ban and restricted list. Yeah, I think so too. Um, 
it's just playing around hard aggro. So if you've never played around hard aggro, it's terrible. Uh, but if you're used to it, it's fine. Because Molo can only attack so many times. Uh, well, depending on the pilot. Yeah, yeah four times. Yeah, four times. Probably, probably five or six. I've four times on cards, yeah. I've definitely ended games with Molog in, in Activation 3. Well, I was just going to say, oh, I, yeah. I was going to pop in and say, um, there's seems to be, you know, since the, the game started, there seems to be this search for, uh, you. some people would call it like a cheese type deck, but like just some kind of strategy that works, you know, uh, I'd say like 85% of the time or whatever, like you can win a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like with the Tomes Malog or the Cataphrane Relics or the, the you know, any kind of Tomes really. It's just you, well, it's, you're it's, kind of playing solitaire a little bit. You're trying to just accomplish yeah, your plan and then you end up with more points than your opponent no matter what they did. And that seems to yeah. be getting banned or it seems to be getting nerfed or re- the cards are get restricted uh, very quickly when and a strategy GW like that for doing out. it. Yeah. Well, because the game is arena combat, and it's funny when people get upset over this because people are trying to look for ways uh, to win without using dice. That's why uh, when Skaven first came out uh, in Wave 2 of Shadespire, the best way to play perceived at the time was hold objectives with keys because you weren't relying on dice. You were just moving on to objectives, sitting at the back of the board, and then you put keys on everyone. Um, but GW of always said this like constantly and consistently which is why i find it funny when people get upset or confused or shocked over them removing or like severely nerfing these kind of play styles because they don't want you sitting back doing nothing gaining all this glory Uh, and i find it's um it's usually um because the thing is underworld is a very adaptive game uh, like you, it's a constantly changing pace, and they're kind of looking for those players are kind of looking for like uh, a state of staticness where they have complete control. Because uh, generally, I find when you're playing those kind of players, uh, they their plan either struggles or falls apart when uh, something doesn't go exactly as planned. Um, and it's like <laughs> it's not, the it's the mix up between well, it's the mix up between control and total control because I think. Uh, if you look at control solely on being objectives and not engaging with my opponent, that is total control because you're sitting back, not engaging. Whereas control can be, uh, it's, it's, I explain it as control is better explained through um, how you position and use your fighters, like encouraging your opponent to go one way, not go down one part of the board, making them back off. Uh, but it's very difficult to explain and show, and a lot of people don't pick it up. But yeah, generally, I find people want to win without taking any chances. And at that point, you could always just go and play Magic or any other card game. Like, it's never going to be a big thing. Uh, and GW will always make sure those kind of builds just die because they're not supposed to play that way. I mean, like with the Tome thing, uh, you needed to restrict Acolytes, uh, in my opinion, because uh, the problem... I think is they put too many tomes in the game because I think there's eight. Yeah, something like um, that. So the problem is you put four on one guy, wait for them to kill it, and then they put four on the other. Um, and now with the new restricted list, Tome Molog is basically not unplayable, but it's very weak. Um, yeah. it's, because it's you have to rely. There. Yeah. Because you um, have to, you can't, it's harder to get the glory train uh, early because you now are using restricted slots for 
burst of speed and acolytes and, and that kind of stuff. So you don't have any yeah. of those other like support cards. Yeah, uh, and it's just um, the game should be up fast combat. You can still have control and defensive play in that, but the problem is when people think uh, defensive and controlling play should be me seeing at the back of the board not doing anything or just moving back. Uh, like I, I found it funny when people were shocked calculated risk was restricted because um, at first I didn't think it needed to be restricted. Uh, and then I saw how people were playing it, how they would sit at the back of the board, move for a lethal hex, not engaging to score it. So it hurt control more warbands, well, total control warbands more than aggro. Because um, like the way you would get around those kind of objectives is if like calculated risk said, uh, if you survive moving for a lethal hex during a charge action, at least that way you're engaging. Mm. But the problem is when you're sitting back doing nothing, getting glory, that's not really control. Right. That's yeah. it's just not engaging. Um, but it's how you like, because uh, you get people who defend it who say, oh, I'm still engaging you with cards. And you go, yeah, <laughs> but not really playing a card game. No, oh, it's, yeah, a, no it's a minifigure game. They're rolling dice. Well, because well, people forget, in my opinion, the game is 60% movement and positioning. Yeah. Uh, and then 40% cards. I would say But so. people believe it's all about the cards. Um, but generally, I've won games with terrible hands and lost games where I've had the perfect hand. It's yeah, more about how you use your fighters and where you put them instead of, oh, I've got these cards, now I'm unbeatable. Because uh, generally, the the thing that... Because uh, I built my Skaven to destroy those kind of players um, because they just can't deal with all the pressure. And like as long as you're making pressure, they make mistakes. Yeah. Because w once again, they're not used to... Um, uh, well, they're, they're very static to their game plan and can't switch it up. Like a good yeah. example was... Um, at the, when I won Blood and Glory, the Grand Clash, uh, it was my Skaven. Well, I spiked Claw Swarm against um, this guy, Steel's Heart Champions, which was just pure total control. Just sat at the back, pushed you away with Great Concussion and Earthquake. Uh, the I've, first I've, game. Just so that you know, I, I, I literally lost a Grand Clash to that using uh, Magors. So, I, oh, so wow. I, I understand, like, because I was trying to go in. I, I've I've told the story a million times. I just don't know if I've told you this story. But yeah, that was like the, that's what happened to me. I got caught by somebody playing, um, you know, longboarding me, and mm. just sitting in the back and um, and me having nothing. I, I just couldn't get at him. But well, so, so like, how how did you get around it? Uh, well, when we, when I realized, so he had gone undefeated, and then I had gone by the path where like I became a shark. So I won the first round comfortably, but then kept winning 2-1, 2-1, 2-1. So then I started playing the hardest people um, because at the time it's the lowest versus the highest. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was the lowest of, of the winner's bracket. So I was continually playing the best player each each time. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like knocking out the control players. Uh, and then when I was in the final against him, uh, they let us see each other's decks, but I just glanced through. I didn't really pay much attention, which kind of cost me the first game because it was 15-15, and then he lost. I lost because he did uh, Earthquake and Great Concussion to get onto an objective. Got it. Uh, but I was pretty comfortable I would win when I found out we were paired against each other because uh, I have no problem playing Turtle Control, uh, and in fact, it was built to take it apart. Uh, and then in the second game... Uh, I killed Severin and Bright Shield by the end of one, uh, and then nice. wiped him out. Uh, no, it, by the end of two, and then I wiped him out. And then in game three, I wiped him out at the start of the second activation. At the start uh, of the second just, activation? Yeah, because I killed... I, I got Scritch to kill Severin, then I killed Bright Shield, and then I won priority, and I killed Oberyn. 
Oh, well, the Oberyn round. ran away, and then I charged him and killed okay. Oberyn. The second round. I thought you said second activation. No, 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 no. Um, um, because it's just uh, when they realized they couldn't hide. And then he also said, oh, you have rebound, so I'm never going to attack you. So I was like, okay. Did so you? then I just started. <laughs> so I, d I did have rebound because he read through my deck. Oh, and, oh, but did you in your hand? Oh, yeah, I did. Totally. Oh, okay. Right, um, so I wanted him to attack me. And then when he said, oh, I'm not going to attack you, I was like, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. I just threw, threw all my rats into him. Um, so I, I found that rebound never works for me unless I'm playing Randall. Oh, no, I, I never expect rebound to go off. It's just the threat of it. Yeah. So when people go, oh, he's got rebound, I want to attack. That's the best power of it. Not that, oh, it's going to go off and win me the game. It's yeah. the threat of it. I just um, I just accidentally drop it out of my hand. Oh, oh, I should pick this card back up and put it back in my hand. Oh, too bad you saw it. Uh, but it's the issue with uh, generally those kind of players, they give up board control because they're not moving. Right. Uh, and that's the biggest weakness when you're doing something like that against my Spike Claw Swarm because with their threat range of seven, and at the time I could do uh, charge ready for action and time trap, so I could do three attacks in a row. So right. if I wanted someone dead, they would die. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was just, you could, because the thing is, um, they would ideally starve you for two turns and then expect you to try and kill them in, um, in the third one, which you couldn't do. Uh, but with my Skaven, I can hit you from the start uh, and generally any warband I play. Um, because, yeah, against those hard control players, those turtle control players, they don't really deal with pressure. So as long as you can start pressuring them to make mistakes, like uh, ideally they want to keep drawing cards, but if you do anything to stop them drawing cards, that's better for you, even yeah. if it's just attacking you. Um, but it's just a it's it's a boring matchup because you everything you have to think really thoroughly. But it's just like you're thinking really hard where your opponent's going. I'm just going to draw a card. I'm going to move back and draw a card. Yeah. Uh, it, so so, it's so like, once you see that, just bum rush them. Yeah, because yeah, generally they, their, their game plan is I'm going to draw cards. And even then, that's why you put a rebound in. Because even if they don't attack you, if they go, fine, I'll just attack you, the threat of rebound usually right. just messes them up. All right. I mean, the matchups change a bit differently now. Because uh, Skaven, well, after the, because they introduced a restricted list after that. Um, but it's still the same principle. Like I played Fast Riders after that because you can't hide from Fast Riders. Yeah. And then I went to Profiteers because you can't hide from Profiteers. Okay. Yeah. So it's like I always play to crush hard control, uh, turtle control, <laughs> um, and then I just hope to do well against the other archetypes because um, you generally don't really encounter turtle control that much. But when you do, um, it's very important that you can beat it because you can never go. I just won't encounter that playstyle because, especially at the Grand Clash, there's always a chance you yeah, will. Always like, yeah, there's always one or two people trying that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, uh, well, my experience, the matchup I don't want to play against, I always encounter at the Grand Clash. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, my experience is that every time I play uh, a tournament with Randall, I have to play him, no matter where it is. Yeah. I get that a lot in London. I've, yeah. I play pretty much everyone I play locally at tournaments. So. Exactly. All right. Um, I just want to move on. Speaking yeah, I won a tournament one time where I didn't have to play you. Yeah. That's right. The one Sick. time. Oh, and by the way, I also went undefeated at that tournament. Oh, nice. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, tiebreakers. Well, I won a tournament yesterday, so we're all winners. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right, oh, mine was like months ago, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Still who, counts. What did, what did you play yesterday, John? Uh, I was just playing, um, what was it? Uh, yeah. Curse Breakers, testing Curse out. Because I've got okay. the Scottish Grand Clash. 
Oh, so yeah. I'm just seeing what warbands I like. Okay. I don't really enjoy playing Curse Breakers, but uh, it deals with the warbands, or the matchups I have difficulties with. I, I, I enjoy them a little less since the, the most recent Wubar. They're because they're not as um, I, I find I find it a little bit harder, which maybe is probably is probably good for the game, but I find it harder to get them going now. Uh, I have no difficulties with that. I'm the the deck I've made for them still works just as well because I wasn't relying on a lot of the cards that were restricted. All right, I'll I'll check my DMs later. You're gonna you're gonna send that to me. I want to see that. All right. So anyway, but I want to move on because I want to talk about something that maybe is significant but it's certainly impressive mm -hmm. um and um you have actually now won a glass a shade glass tr trophy at minimum with every available warband yes that's correct. Uh, i am dubbing this the re-slam <laughs> okay so if anybody ever does it again that's what they have to call it okay. um so 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 how much so how much glass do you have total uh now i have 28 uh, Shea right. Gloss trophies. Um, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Back that up, back that up. I'm going to ask that question again. And then right after I ask it, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. So can you <laughs> please, so uh, so how many uh, how many glass trophies do you have? Uh, I have 28 now. <laughs> okay. And I have three uh, non-official uh, GW trophies. So technically I have 31. Jesus. Okay. Now, now, um, I, I suppose this is a combination of showing up and also being great. So, it, it, I mean, it really, in order to do that, I mean, um, can, can I ask another question? How many, how many tr tournaments have you been to? Just, it, just ballpark. Uh, uh, 80, probably. Oh, um, it's between, if, oh, I am. Oh boy, you have to think. I think fifty is probably a realistic number. Oh, okay. Probably more than fifty. Probably seventy. Seventy. So, so you say you have like, like maybe like a forty percent win rate. I've been playing. Well, I've been playing since September twenty seventeen. So eighteen months. So it's probably around seventy or eighty. I would want to say a hundred, but I think a hundred is unrealistic. Um, okay. My win rates gone down since i started trying to win with every warband right um but it's about 55 percent. it was about 80 before i started trying to win with every warband okay all right cool and 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 so you've won with absolutely everything you how many grand clashes two, uh, i've won two grand clashes and i've come i uh, came second at the team tournament i came second at the london gt i came third at the first warhammer fest tournament and then I came fifth at UK Games Expo uh, two years ago. And then I've, well, the first tournament I got 11th out of 80. Right. Uh, and then I've been like, the lowest I've gone is 22nd. And then it's been 21st, 21st. Okay. And then and, 12th. And, and what have you won with? Just Spike, Spike Law or anything else? Uh, I've only won uh, two Grand Clashes with Spike Law Swarm. Okay. But and... I'm the only person to win two singles. Because uh, Jay Clare is the first to win two Grand Clash trophies, but he's got uh, his with, singles one and the one and, for and winning the team, the team tournament. Right, yeah. with with Jamie Giblin, right? Yep. Okay. And Michael Bax. Oh, and, and your guy Michael. Okay, there you go. Yeah. All right. So um, so my question, so do you think that there's 
because I, I see something significant in that, that that somebody can actually go around and win with absolutely everything. So, because uh, for me, that just shows um, that just shows how every um, warband. And and by the way, uh, you know, like the whole Gen Con thing with Reavers, I've definitely been crapping on Reavers for <laughs> for a while now. And then they just come up, and like while I was, you know, I was watching it happening, I'm like, oh my god. I, I I texted Randall. I'm like, Randall, if Reavers win, we're gonna have to shut down the podcast. Um, I was of course kidding, uh, because that. But 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 I I see something significant in this that somebody can actually go off and win with everything is is the, uh, the state of the game and how balanced it is and how um, everything is still viable. Yeah, yeah I, I mean it. It has, can do that. Sorry, it, it hasn't been easy, um, it, and at times it wasn't very enjoyable. Um, hmm. But it's like it. It is. I still think everything is viable because even with the reverse thing, um, when I was in the final in the London GT, it was uh, my spike claw swarm against uh, my mate who's quit uh, with his reavers, mm. and everyone was expecting me to win, and I was like, I don't. I'm not going to win this. Um, and then I lost two zero, uh, and people were really shocked. And I was like, well, because people, uh, I would still say reavers were the best warband during Shadespire especially at the end. Okay. Um, but they've always been good because they don't really have a threat. Um, and then it's just, they don't have they a lost a bit. Threat. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, like there's not like one guy that you have to get. Yeah. They don't have a centralized threat. So you could, you could argue say it is, but then Garrett can easily become an end right. game threat. Yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, I guess so. I mean, a lot of people have been, uh, some people have been upset saying I've only gone to small tournaments and won, and I disagree on that. Um, it's still tough, though. I mean, I, well, it's you, weird. The perception in in America usually the the store tournaments are like real small. Yeah. So so it's yeah. like that's the only chance that like we four have four people. Right. Well, well the well, average Randall, Randall, tournament... though, when he won, he won to like he yeah, won. That was a that was an that abnormally was like large one. People, I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. Well, the average size for my tournaments is usually about sixteen players, sixteen yeah. to fourteen. Yeah. See, that's 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 like Crazy. a real tournament. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, and it's like that. the lowest ones have been like eight. Uh, it was uh, it was around four to six at the start of Shades Fire, but now it's because like during Nightbolt was definitely bumped up. Yeah. Um. So like my Profiteers won a twenty player clash. Uh, my Guardians won a twenty player crash. Uh, clash. Um. My Eyes of the Nine won a ten player clash. Um. Yeah. So it's it's been quite difficult because I've had to play things. I didn't want to or didn't like playing like Eyes of Nine were really difficult for me because yeah. um, I liked the warband but I had to um, fully commit to hold objectives because uh, mm. I won one of the games because I was playing against a guy who was using Curse Breakers and I thought oh, I've lost this yeah. so I did a normal deployment and then he set up at the back and I was like okay so then I set up at the back and then uh, my first activation was moving on to an objective and then he realized, because uh, he thought I was playing aggro as of the nine, because it was me. Right. So he thought I was going to run towards him. So then yeah. when he realized I wasn't going to run towards him, he started, He spent a turn running towards me. Yeah, I've done and that. Then another turn. And by that time, I scored all my objectives. Uh, and yeah. then yeah, I've done I, that. I, like with Eyes of the Nine, I made Kacharik as desirable a target as possible. So if he, if he, if he charged Fortimus, he would have won the game. Uh, but I made him charge. Well, I made Kacharik. Oh yeah, Kacharik's doing four damage, and he's inspired now. Because I gave him Glory Seeker, so he charged Kacharik. Stormside was out of the way. Uh, like Kacharik died, and then I used Fortimus to win the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's been very difficult because when I started Shadespire, 
Um, I'm the type of player who I'd call like a character loyalist. Uh, like, because I've got a long history in fighting games, so I kind of like leak over everything into that. What other so games? I, because I, um, I generally play. Oh, what kind of fighting game? Uh, Street yeah. Fighter. Oh, um, oh I'm, I'm, okay. So like video game stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, um, so I usually stick with the wall band and just play for it. So uh, you're the obviously, guy who plays, I, uh, you're the guy who plays the old dwarves at every tournament. Yeah, kind of. Like, I will oh. stick with the warband I like and just play through it until... Like, that's how I did with my uh, Spike Claw Swarm. Once I settled on my Spike Claw Swarm, uh, I played them for nine months. And in that nine-month period, that's when I won my most trophies. And I was undefeated for about uh, seven months Whoa. with them. Like, I lost the odd game or two, but never a best of three. So in a best of three, I was undefeated until I stopped playing them. Yeah, that, that happened to me with Magors last summer, where, uh, leading up to Nova. Uh, but but there was the issue was because after that point by the time i'd there were a level where my um the reason i started doing it more winning with every warband during shadespire was uh firstly it was after i won the scottish rank clash but it was mm -hmm. more uh, my skaven had reached a point where they weren't too consistent for a grand clash but they were too strong for a store clash unless i knew there were like uh grand clashes going mm. um so that's part of the reason because it was just like not not that players weren't good enough but it was kind of uh, people oh. just testing out whatever decks they wanted to, and I was coming in with my fully right. honed deck. And, and, yeah, for yeah. yeah, well, actually, I was going to ask you a question uh, later. It's like when you go to when you go to these uh, these you know uh, organized play events, you, you're going to you, John Wynn Reese, are going to run into noobs, right? People who don't. Yeah, yeah. W what do you do in those matchups? Um, so never underestimate them because. The worst thing you can do is go, oh, this game's going to be easy, and then right. they beat you. I think Not that, that they've beaten me, but they've taken a game off me, and then I've gone, well, what have I done? Right. Um, but it's like, I still play a game normally. Um, I talk them through stuff they're not aware of, and mm -hmm. then after the game, I just like I usually just have a chat with the opponent and see, like, help them figure out what they've done wrong if they wanted help, and like what they could do to improve and stuff. Yeah, Because well, at a tournament, um, you're basically there to win, so you still go for the win. Right, uh, but you can do it in a manner that's still positive and enjoying to play against. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I like to do when that happens to me is I like to make sure that they understand what um, the um, the information that's uh, that's public, which is basically character cards, and I just try to make sure that they understand what the character cards do. Yeah, I talk them through the warband at the start of the game. Um, right. A problem I have is I play really fast, so I just have to slow it down against newer players. Mm. Because uh, uh, the quickest I've done a best of three with three games is in 35 minutes against my friend at a tournament. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Just pop, so, pop, 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 huh? Yeah, because we kind of knew what we were doing and we were just flying for it. But right. I generally try to be quite quick. So I'd rather finish with extra time uh, with time to spare than in, on the wire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just have to slow it down a bit and just fully explain everything to them. Cool. Um, so, so when you're preparing for an organized play tournament, um, and you're like, especially for like newer players who haven't gone to too many of them, uh, mm. what are some, what are some like, kind of like tips that you can, you can give or things that you've noticed have been helpful to, to players that are going to like their first or second tournament? Well, um, well, like in deck construction, just approaching just, a tournament in general. Sure. Just in general. Uh, well, it's more just. Uh, don't go uh, well you can go with the expectation of winning um, 
uh, it's difficult. When I first started, I was like, I'm going to this tournament to win. Uh, and it took me about two to three months to win my first tournament. But I was still, I wasn't disappointed where I come. I was disappointed I didn't win, but I was still, I'd look at, I was looking at it as a learning step. Like, mm. I didn't win, but this is where I lost and this is what I need to do differently. This is why I need to play differently. Uh, you should go there with a relaxed mindset and just remember the community is really fun. So you should just uh, chat with people, try and have fun. If you're still trying to win, that's fine. But remember, having fun is the most important thing. And just try and be sociable. Don't try and be like too recluse. But just remember, if like you're really nervous, but the thing is nerves uh, take a while to disappear. Uh, but the more you play in tournaments, the more comfortable you'll be. And the good thing is you'll be seeing stuff you've never generally seen before. Right, and play style. So it's the best yeah, it's the best yeah. place to learn, really. I think I think I agree with you. I think one of the best things for for newer players when they say like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not comfortable going to a tournament yet." I'm like, "No, just go." Yeah. I mean, if you go there and you go O three, like first of all, you're gonna get some sweet loot because they, you know, they give stuff out, and then secondly, it's like that's where you see how people play. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing when I started, there was no prize support, so I was just going to the tournament for the sake of it. Oh. But. Uh, generally yeah now there's prize support so you get stuff and it's but it's where you'll see the most stuff and learn because um the biggest pit trap is just constantly playing your friend or friends just continuously because it will eventually come to the point where you will no longer learn anything and now you're just trying to outplay your friend instead of outplaying how what they're actually doing right agreed um yeah absolutely all right um let's see so um now so you've had to build competitive lists for every warband at some point. And my question to you is going to be um, like, so if you're approaching a faction that you've never played before, mm. what, what, what considerations do you have to make when that happens? Um, if I can't get any practice games in, I just go how I normally build decks. So I go with what I want to do. Well, I look at the fire warband cards first, uh, like I do in my Oracle. Um, and then I just go from there. So if I uh, like, well, Eyes of the Nine I tried before as a uh, full hold objective, and then I realized it didn't work. But that was, in, that was just after the ban and restricted list. Mm -hmm. um, but I look at the warband stats, what I want to do, and then what cards I need to do to achieve that and support that playstyle. Um, and then I just kind of plan out what I need to do. And then I just, if I'm taking it super seriously, then I just write out tactics for the warband. But usually I just plan stuff out in my head. Really? You like writing uh, I, Yeah. I mean, for my main warbands, I always write uh, notes. But um, with Eyes of the Nine, it was just I had to do prep work for that because for that warband, it was very technical. So I had to remember the tricks I wanted to do with it because okay. it's you start set, with well when I was doing Eyes of the Nine, I had to set up stuff at the start of the game to win me objectives for the end of the game and glory. Wait, so so you're actually writing out like how you're going to open the game? I mean, uh, yeah, just, pretty much. Go back to that notes thing. I'm I'm curious about this. Yeah, sure. So, so what are you, are you writing down like like boards and placements and stuff? Uh, well, the boards I just all memorize. So I just look at uh, it's identifying the playstyle because the the best thing about Underworld is uh, you can play your warband one way. Well, a warband has a usually one or two specific playstyles it favors. Yeah. But it, it can be played in any way possible. So the biggest trap is just assuming your opponent's going to do this. Right. Uh, but for my main warbands, I always write out how I beat each individual warband and what to do against it and how to start off. Whoa. 
uh, and generalized uh, board placement ideas. Uh, but the boards I keep more in my head because that's kind of difficult to write out. That's like some uh, but, shit right there. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, generally I have tactics to beat all warbands. And the good thing that now I've played them all, well, I've won with them all. I have a good idea. Well, I'd say now I'm comfortable with every single playstyle. Um, so I know all its strengths and weaknesses in every warband. Because um, even at the because uh, this year's Grand Clashes, I've kind of uh, apart from UK Games Expo, no Warhammer Fest, I haven't really been taking them seriously because I've been well. I mean, like they're still Grand Clashes, but I've been focusing on trying to win with all the warbands instead, right. instead of trying to win a Grand Clash. Um, so I've picked up everything I've learned at Grand Clashes, and I've just it just all goes in my notes. Cool. So, so once I've seen something. Like... What do you have like well, notebooks on a shelf or something? I was just, just on my phone. Oh, it's just on your phone. Okay. But so so you're just, yeah. all right, I gotcha. That's interesting. Though. So it's you like must... the, the same thing happens in uh, fighting games. They do tech notes for, um, what do you call it? Each individual character. So generally, you, that's why it's better if you're a character loyalist because you have one character and then fighting games now, uh, like especially with Street Fighter, when they had like, it was difficult when they had 30 players, uh, 30 characters, but when you only had like eight or 16 yeah as a plan against but it's like i basically copied over what i did in fighting games for underworlds interesting interesting it's always funny when you watch evo on twitch or whatever you watch the big the big fighting game tournament in las vegas every year evo and yeah. then in between matches the guy will take out his little notebook and look up like the frame <laughs> data on on a certain yeah, character that's, I, I don't look up it during tournaments anymore i just memorize it but um it, it's it i find it helps me so that's why i do Okay, now, and uh, speaking of taking notes, um, if you go on canyourollacrit.com and check it out, you do tournament reports. Um, yes. Where, but they are meticulously written. Like, you, you almost get, like, a blow-by-blow, activation-by-activation thing. Are, are you taking notes while you're playing the game? No, I just remember it all. Uh, the only notes I take are pictures of the boards because people wanted to see the boards, oh. and I just record the scores, so... I can hand them in at the end if they disappear. But you can remember like three or four games worth of data? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, the most difficult was when, when I did a Grand Clash and then two tournaments. So I had to remember three tournaments back. Um, and the issue is it's like I can easily type it all out, but it takes a long time. So now I've started to cut down a bit unless right. I'm doing a really in-depth play-by-play. Right. Uh, but generally, I just remember everything. I don't take notes. Wow. I'm I'm very surprised by that because the game is so technical and there's so much stuff that you have to so many cards that get played. Yeah, I mean generally I I also know all the cards, I know all the boards, like the names and stuff. Right. Um so generally I just remember everything. So that's usually where when I get caught off by guards off guard by something, I usually just remember and then plan out how to beat it. Uh okay. but yeah, I don't take any notes, I just remember everything. Okay. That's crazy. I always um, think it's funny. Sometimes I'm looking on your your website, and I'll and you'll have like two pages of notes on like the first two games, and then in the third game, you'll be like, "Yeah, I don't really remember what happened, uh, <laughs> but I won." So yeah, cool tournament. No, what, I'm like, all right. Well, I know other people take notes. Um, the only issue I have with it is technically against the rules. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying they're cheating, but in in the tournament packages, you're not allowed to take notes. So I just memorize it all. Um, but uh, I've cut down recently because it's easier to explain and I think people find it better to read when I cut down a bit I mean it, when I go into gr Grand Clashes will generally always have 
uh, a huge in-depth um, breakdown. The only reason I didn't do it with the two-day Grand Clash was because I played eight rounds and it would have been like 5,000 words. So I had to yeah. cut it down. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't remember individual moments in games that I just played. So that's... Uh, oh, no, the, the thing with good. me, I always remember key things even when I win or lose. The, the I prefer losses at store tournaments because... Or even I learn more from my losses in general. Well, of course. So with a loss, I can remember what I've done wrong and how to build off of that. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just just all me memorizing stuff. I'm afraid. Okay. No notes. Um, all right. Is there anything that you do before you go to uh, an organized play event that's um, or any sort of other preparation that you do that does not include deck building or uh, running like practice rounds? Is there anything that you like to do, like to make sure that you you have like an easier time there? Like I always say, bring a snack. Uh, I just try and um, how do I do it? No, I just because uh, a lot of the time I have like work the day before, so I don't really have mind like uh, I don't really think about it too much. Uh, like the funny thing is uh, when I started winning grand clashes, I didn't really go in with the intention of winning. I was, at that point, I was like, okay. I'm just going to try and win best painted. Um, then I ended up winning two grand clashes. Nice. Uh, but it, it was um, just relax. Like even against, even, um, what do you call it? Uh, I know people like to prep the day before, like have constant practice games and stuff. Um, but I don't, because I think that just tires you out. Um, and you start over second guessing yourself more and it tires you out for the day bef- uh, the day after. Like for the Warhammer World two-day Grand Clash in June, no, July, um, I got up there fairly early. Uh, well, I, I just got there late, 7 p.m., but I could have gone to Bugman's and played like games and stuff with everybody. Right. Um, but I just went, no, I just went to the cinema instead. And then Relax, slept. Gotcha. That was the one where you brought the Godsworn? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you were undefeated through Swiss, right? Well, I finished fourth after five rounds. So I was uh, I lost the final round two one, but I was undefeated the whole tournament until then. So I hadn't dropped a game. Right. So I, at the end of the five games, I was the only player with two losses, um, but I'd still lost a game. But the like Tom Tom Bond was top, but he had like one two one two one two one and two zero. Okay. Uh, but I would the I'd the only guy who went two zero two zero two zero two zero two zero two one. Gotcha. Uh, but I didn't think I'd do that well with Godsworn. That was just funny. Uh, day two, it fell apart. But once again, I was just, right. I just say more, go ahead and have fun. Don't really think about it too much or stress about. Like, I don't think there's, uh, I think cramming in games the night before yeah. is just bad. It's not good for like, studying for tests either. Yeah, it's like generally you should have done all that in advance. So yeah. it's just, it'll just stress you out more. So just relax. So so don't practice like a maniac before a, a tournament. Okay. Yeah, it is like I think there's a serious harm in constantly playing um, games with your warband because, like, I touched upon it earlier. There's the problem um, you're playing against if you're only playing against the same people. Um, you just start developing tricks how to beat them. Right. So when your opponent goes, "Oh, I played this warband," and then your opponent does something completely different, you're like, Uh-oh. "Oh, yeah," and then it's just like uh, burning yourself out. And like the thing is. The reason I wanted to travel around was because I knew there's the pit trap of just constantly playing your friends. Uh, so that's why I always, because uh, playing around the country or like playing to as many tournaments as you can go, it exposes you to new scenes, play styles, 
and how to approach matchups. So that's all my prep work, really. And I just like, just relax. Sounds cool. Um, so you've been to a lot of these tournaments, right? And and so you've seen, so regardless of the results of the tournament, what, yeah. what makes tournaments enjoyable to you? Like what, um, what, what can happen at the event that will be like, you know what, I had a, that, that was good. Well, for me, it's uh, the community for Underworld is still the best. Uh, I think the best miniature, well, the best uh, community I've seen for a game is probably X-Wing, at least in the UK. And then I'd say Underworlds is a close yeah. second. I would, I, I would say that because I've been in both as well. Um, but yeah, it's like the community is really friendly and welcoming. Um, there's not really too much like elitism. Generally, everyone's really quite approachable. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I just uh, enjoy games where, like for me, I always build my decks to be interactable generally. Mm. Um, so my opponent, even though I'm trying to win, it's like I'm be I'm planning to win while you still engage. I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't build decks where I'm gonna win by not engaging, where my opponent just has to like waste stuff. Uh, but it's more like uh, what I enjoy games is I think my best game I've had so far was against an Eisen Nine player at the July Grand Clash with my Godsworn because. Mm. I beat him 2-0, but the games were just really fun because he was doing crazy stuff with Eyes of the Nine. And I was doing crazy stuff with Godsworn. So, like, I really enjoy games that are close where each player is doing crazy stuff to win. Because uh, I only managed to beat him in game two because at that point he'd made Fortimus minus two to hit, basically. And he had three defense dice with a reroll. Um, and then Jagaffa was only hitting him with one smash. <laughs> so then uh, I rolled a smash. No, I missed. And then he rolled no successes, so then I upper-handed him. Right. And then I attacked and rolled a smash uh, on one dice, and then he failed to dodge. And then that's what cost him the game. So technically, oh, he should have won that. But it's just crazy fun stuff. Uh, so that's what I usually enjoy. And as long as the tournament is just everyone's fun to play, and it's um, the tournament's clear and well-run. So as long as I, the, I hate when TOs change stuff at the last minute. Gotcha. All right, cool. Um, so, so since you've been to so many events, and have, have all the events you've been to been in uh, just in the UK? Uh, have yeah, you gone further yeah, afield? Much, yeah. Have you had, did you go to the uh, mainland Europe at all? I was going to go to ETC, but there's a lot of drama with ETC, so I was unable to go. Yeah. Okay, all right. But um, so, so what have you learned about the the Underworlds community in general, like the people who, uh, uh, who attend? Uh, well, at least in the UK, because that's what I know most. Everyone's really cool, friendly, and approachable, and just fun to play. Cool. Like you still get the odd uh, bad apples, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. Okay. Um, sounds good. And, and um, let's see. We've had uh, we've had Bryce and Jamie and Michael on the show. You you've played against all of them. Uh, and I've beaten them all. Yes. <laughs> you hear that, guys? Suck it. You got reesed. Yeah, that's the unfortunate <laughs> truth. That's and true. and and you're obviously undefeated against all of them, right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, well, what, undefeated in what way? Like you've never you've never lost even one game to these guys, no. right? Impossible. Uh, I lost one game to. Well, it, I beat Bryce two one. Uh, all right, you're And then I played Jamie twice two zero, then two one, and then I played Michael two zero. Cool. Are these are these Grand Clash results? We're I, uh, Michael and Jamie, I've only played in Grand Clashes, and Bryce I beat when I went to Sheffield. Okay. There you go. 
All right, cool. Um, so let's see what's next. What's next? Okay. So, so, so now that we've talked about getting, you know, decks and getting, uh, you know, tactics and how to approach, um, OP events, just like local stuff. Um, is there any adjustments you have to make to then translate that deck into, and that warband into uh, a grand clash experience? Are there any things that you would consider differently in that case? No, uh, generally when I build a warband, I, uh, I look at grand clashes and store tournaments as the same. Um, so I just make sure if I'm going, if I've only won store tournaments, then go into a grand clash with that warband. I just make sure I'm comfortable with the warband and I have everything I want to do nailed down. Um, so just I'm more consistent with the warband. So I don't really change what I do. I just make sure I'm more consistent with the warband because okay. I look at both of the same, really. Yeah, I mean... I suppose like the, the only thing that I think is going to be much different if you go to a grand clash is that you're more likely to run into um, higher quality uh, opponents earlier. Yeah, and you'll be playing more rounds. So you have to right. be able to factor in, can you play more rounds? Uh, are you consistent enough to play more rounds? And um, generally, they, there will be higher quality players usually, but you can't really plan against that unless you've been right. traveling around to play different tournaments. Absolutely. I mean, um, another thing that, uh, for me is that when I'm, although I'm, I'm probably not doing this for Nova, but I, I would still I would still say this. I, I find personally that in later rounds, especially if you've been playing a game just like all day long, um, towards the end of the, the day, I start to kind of lose my concentration a little bit. So I like to bring warbands uh, to larger events that uh, that maybe have less like moving parts, just so that I don't have to just less chance of, you know, making mistake or forgetting a trigger or a reaction or something like that. Um, I think with Nova that's not a big deal though because you only play two or three uh, up at, at most three games in a day because they split it up over several days. Um, oh yeah, which is which is weird. I, I, I know, but again, like in their defense, they they expect people to be playing other stuff during the day, and they put the Grand Clash like at the end of the day so that it doesn't overlap with other things like AOS or 40k. Or for me, like I'm going to be playing X Wing on the Saturday, I don't want it to overlap. Um, so so for me, actually, I I, I do appreciate that. Um, I, I understand from the from the Underworlds centric uh, view that's weird because you have to be there for four days. Um, but Pretty for, much, yeah. But for somebody who's going to be playing other stuff, which is I think the plan for them, um, that that most people are going to be playing other things. I, I I actually do appreciate it, so I can go and play X Wing as well. Um, but that said, um, yeah, I mean ha having a long day, uh, I, I feel like like you would you would end up forgetting stuff. Uh, for for me, at the end of the day, I get all foggy. Uh, kind of. It, it's like, it, it depends just how comfortable you get with the warband, because uh, the problem is the more stressed, the more likely you are to make mistakes. But I find the less moving, the less complicated your warband is, the more easier it is to counter. Right. So it's the, the trade-off, uh, right. because the less your warband can do, uh, the easier your, warband, your opponent can play around it. So you, it's like the trade-off. But I, I get what you're saying, it can be quite draining. Yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, I, I, I would find playing Gits to be really difficult over a long period of time because there's just so much stuff going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's just me. Um, okay, so cool. So um, anything else about uh, about organized play you, you think is important to mention? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, so before Some people would say bring only painted warbands, but those people are just mm. like to troll. So yeah, I, I I don't think the painting thing is all that necessary. The game is about the combat, not about the the models. 
Well, I mean, GW have said you don't have to have painted models. I mean, for a Grand Clash, I always bring painted stuff for my main warband. But when I was bringing everything, there's no point. Yeah. I mean, you could just prime it. I don't know. Yeah. Prime it, dot, dot, done. Okay. Um, Anyway, so so just just moving on before we let you go. um, Just just want your thoughts because we have so much stuff coming up soon. You know, this mm. uh, we're recording this in the middle of August. Uh, we have, you know, uh, Dreadfane coming out officially, not like, oh, we figured out Barnes & Noble has it. Hey, everybody, they have it available. And then everybody goes and buys it all of a sudden because, of course, it spreads through the internet like wildfire that it's available. Um, mm. But it's supposed to come out on August 31st, and, uh, and we're supposed to see uh, Season 3 coming up uh, towards the end of September, I think. Um, what, what are your thoughts, um, about, about Dreadfane just in general? Like what, uh, yeah, just what, what do you think about it? Uh, I think it's a really good, uh, product for getting people into the game. Uh, cause I'll probably be giving my copy to my club because it's just, I really like, um, the scenario cards. It's just a very fun way to get into Underworlds. Mm. Um, because it gives you everything you need. It's very concise and it's just very fun and balanced. And like the scenario cards add the extra element you won't have in the main game. Uh, and it's basically a uh, build and play. So you don't have to worry about building a deck. The decks right. are already there. Yeah. Um, I, I played, uh, I played a game or two actually with my son who's, uh, who's oh, nice. six and, um, and he was able to do it. All we had to do was, um, uh, in, in our last episode, I had, I had talked about how to play with uh, play uh, this game with children, and just uh, hmm. keeping um, keeping uh, just like a few upgrades available. Because at his reading level, like he can read very simple cards, but he can't yeah. re- he can't read like really complex cards. So like I'm not going to have him play aggressive defense because he's not going to know what to do. But 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 uh, but great speed plus one move. Oh, I know what that does. Stick it on there, right? So what I do. So what what we did was is that I, I chose about like five he played this uh the iron souls i played the banshees and Mm. he um and and i gave him like five um upgrades to just have up so if he kills anything he can start putting um upgrades on things and i had five for for my characters also and we played and uh we were playing with the um with the what are they called the 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 hazard cards yeah um and they're, they're really interesting like a lot of them one was like if you can hold the center hex you get three glory oh nice so, and that was an interesting one. There was another one where like um, somebody picks, <clears throat> you roll off and somebody picks a hex, an edge hex, and then you have to move one by one everybody towards it. So it ends up being kind of like, kind of like an opposite of um, Great Concussion where everybody mm. gets Well, it's like a super irresistible prize. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, so it's, so I, I thought it was interesting because it also gets people um, to under, especially newer players to get under, understand the mechanics of the game. And um, and it also it it does have it does have that like kind of like interesting element that might lack from a game that doesn't allow it to to build card uh, the decks differently. So mm. you need to have something to jazz it up, right? Yeah, because otherwise you're playing with the same deck every time. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. What do you think of the uh, What do you think of the two new um, warbands? Yeah, they're okay. I just wouldn't use them in games of uh, Nightbolt. No, with the uh, with the with the rule set as it is, or like in uh, general, even after it becomes like street legal. Uh, even after because they're two different sets of rules. I mean, what annoyed me about Nova was how they're saying, 
Uh, Dreadfane clarifies how the warband inspires the Banshees, so it's after they charge. Uh, yes. But then they were ignoring that, but then using the Dreadfane keywords for Scything and Ensnare. Right. Which doesn't make any sense. Make any so sense. you can't choose and pick, and it's just a very confusing time to use. Um, because now you're asking the TO to make decisions about a game that doesn't really gel with Night Vault. Yeah. So, so it, it, no, go ahead. Uh, it's just, um, I wouldn't use them personally until they get um, officially released, but I still wouldn't use them in tournaments just because there's too much confusion. Because uh, you have to go, are we using Dreadframe rules for them, or are we not? Because right. then they won't benefit from half the stuff. But then... Yeah. Well, m- perhaps in perhaps they'll put out just like a clarification, like an FAQ, basically, and just like how they translate into the into the main game. Well, maybe. I mean, I think um, because, what do you call it, uh, Dreadfane's release date was so late, it was probably just going to tie in with Season 3 in some way, so that's probably where they would drop an FAQ um maybe yeah but, um I don't know it's just because Barnes and Noble messed up by releasing it five weeks early so. well yeah I guess so um yeah I was surprised because I I had just walked into Barnes and Noble and I was like so do, do you know when this is being released and they're like it's totally available right now I'm like what and I'm like yeah. put me down for one sir and then um and then yeah the rest is history um anyway so uh but but that's interesting. Um, I, I wonder if um, I'm, I'm looking at the Dreadfane cards and I'm kind of looking at them going like, I wonder if these like terms and these uh, these uh, rule upgrades are going to be in, you know, some of them are going to be in the Beastgrave, uh, you know, rule set. Like I, I have a feeling Scything and, um, and Ensnare will become uh, keywords. I wonder if they're going to bold these keywords on the text of the cards in season three to make them more visible because people have been complaining ourselves included. We did an entire episode on this about mm-hmm. how, you know, you can, you can really like, like fight and squabble about the minutia of the wording on the cards. It, it maybe. Of- I mean, the only weird thing with dread is it's kind of, they have said it's its own thing. I mean, they haven't released anything card wise for season three, so it's difficult to speculate, but hopefully it'll be, clearer going forwards all right um yeah i hope so too so what do you think um so going into season three without actually talking about beast grave because we've done that already just how do you feel about the state of the the night vault shade spire the main game how do you feel about it right now going forward uh, right now i think it's really balanced anything is pretty much viable uh i think with all the restrictions Molog has now, you have to choose between if you want a reliable objective deck or if you want a, a, a Molog that explodes with aggro yeah. Um, so like taking Tome of Offerings, Upper Hand, all of that. Uh, so you have to build a balanced deck around that. Uh, Profiteers got reined in a lot because now a lot of the score immediately objectives they wanted are restricted. Guardians now have uh, to choose if they want to do magic and just instead, well, generally you have to choose to dedicate yourself to mal- magic instead of just adding it into everything. Like, yeah, I'll just throw all this magic stuff in now. Uh, so you have to dedicate. You have to choose if you want to dedicate to it. So guardians are still fine, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, curse breakers basically have to choose if they want to go magic heavy or not. Right. Uh, but they can still flex quite well with doing aggro magic. Uh, God Swan Hunt got a boost because they didn't really get much stuff restricted. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Um, gets are fine because like gets a night uh, the thorns are fine because once again if you check Molog then horde warbands have more of a chance because they don't have to worry about him rolling around with Tom of Offerings too much. 
Uh, uh, yeah. Well, eyes and nine are. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, 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 you go. Eyes and nine are about in the same place. I mean, I see people saying, "Oh no, they've lost Well of Power. It's all over." But they never really used Well of Power. They were more into Archer's focus um, because oh, well. it's quite difficult to get Vortimus inspired. Because generally, if he's three hexes away, he's probably going to die. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna, gonna get hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like. They lost Sphere of Akshi and Sorceress Flourish, but if you're, you can still build a really strong magic build for Eyes of the Nine. You just have to dedicate your magic cards to it. It's the same how Aggro has to, if they want to go for Aggro, they have to dedicate to Twist the Knife, Trap, Pit Trap, all of that. Right. So there's no real difference there. I think people just, the weird thing, people were complaining about magic needing like restrictions. And then when magic gets restrictions, like, no, oh, you've, you've done it too much. Yeah, I know. You can't, you can't please anybody. Yeah. Um, and then even like with the Shade Spy Warbands, they get a lot of uh, love because they've got uh, upper hand, not upper hand, uh, inspired attack. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and they've still got all the mobility tricks because now they were the ones relying more on like short cards uh, because they were generally using hidden paths more and like shadow set to close the gaps. And now they're getting rewarded for doing that. So they're still quite viable. Yep. Um, it's easier to win with season two warbands, but season one's still just still as good. competitive. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think that GW, uh, you know, we were complaining about it before, but now that the dust has settled, I feel like uh, like the 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 woo bar coming through the way that it did. Um, you know, maybe I don't like the rollout, but certainly the results I feel have been good. I think that they they restricted basically what needed to be restricted to balance the game. Um, and, um, for the most part, the FAQ has covered a lot of problems that people were having. Um, yeah, I, I do think that everything is totally viable and usable right now with the correct piloting and deck builds. Yeah. So at the moment it's all fair game. So it just comes down to <coughs> who plays which will band the best. And so, yeah. Yeah. Still dice. Um, but it should be. Yeah, the funny thing is people complain about power unbound and ha having everything restricted from it there are only five cards uh 60 and 32 were faction so you had 28 cards and five were restricted so you still got 23 cards that are usable sure yeah no i i yeah i, I think that uh, it was i mean i don't know how far in advance they're they're writing these cards i assume it's far enough in advance that they didn't realize that they were gonna have to be restricted Probably, I, I remember. Like usually, GW the lead time is about eighteen months. That's that's so a long these, time, yeah. So these were probably done way before the restricted list even came about. Right. Yeah. So they just had to. They just had to make really eighteen months because I've said it, I, I've I've speculated that it was less than that, but still significant. Like like maybe eight months it's, or something like that. Yeah, uh, they've uh, usually it's eighteen months for GW. They use uh, do everything eighteen months in advance. Generally, that's what they they've said on uh, Warhammer TV. Is that just um, the models or the cards too? Because uh, it's everything, because the models have to be done far in advance. Yeah, first, right. Uh, and then they do everything from the models, but it's usually 18 months in advance. So probably, um, like how the Catherine Relic thing was too Gloria never in the Night Vault rulebook, because, right. um, because they... that was done at the end of Shadespire pretty much. Well, it was done around July. Yeah. Um, and by that time, they would have already finished the core rulebook for Night Vault. Right. So. Yeah. It's just they work. It's really weird because they keep telling everyone they work far ahead, but everyone thinks they're only like six months in advance. But no, it's it's significant. Their lead time is crazy. Which is, yeah, yeah, which is the reason why there's all these discrepancies because it's yeah. it's 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 a hard job to get all that stuff together. In and it's it's 
there's so much stuff going on in this game. It's so detail oriented. It's so technical. You can't do that in that short a time. I, I think that the, the product would be much worse if they did it so quickly. Well, yeah, if, but, if but it, but it even if it's problem. only, well, it's even if they're only 12 months uh, in advance, even 18 to 12, there's still a lot. It's difficult to try and catch up changes with the release schedule on how they're releasing it. So it's, that's why things look weird, I, I think. What are you going to do? It's, uh, it's, 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 it's certainly better than if they only, if they took four months to plan it. Well, yeah, if you look at other games, uh, there are other game systems that take a lot longer in addressing issues, at least with Underworlds, they're very quick with keeping it balanced yep. and getting rules clarified quickly. So everybody relax. They're Pretty doing much. Their I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine still to be upset. And like, obviously there's the stuff they could do better, but I think generally people are kind of forgetting they do have such a big lead time, which does contribute to a lot of stuff. Right. Cool, man. John. It was wonderful yeah. having you on, man. Oh, no, thanks. Really it's a pleasure being it. on. And it was nice. great talking to you. And, and, and I think that, uh, first of all, congratulations again on, on doing what I, I, I want everybody to call the re-slam. <laughs> I feel like that's it. And, of course, you're going to have to go and try to re-complete it now because we're going to have two. We have the two Dreadfane Warbands. We're getting another eight in, in Season 3. So get at it. I'm sure you'll have a, I'm sure you'll have a good time doing it. Um, maybe and it, except there might be like one warband that comes out and you're like oh I can't stand these guys um, and also of course can you roll a crit .com. thank you for writing that and uh, being a beacon of uh, of, of energy and, and inform information and content for the for the community we really appreciate you doing that oh it's my pleasure as long as I'm helping people learn and get better with the game that's that's my goal I say the more the merrier yeah all right, man. Thanks for being on. No, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Cool. And there you have it, our interview with John Wynn Reese. We want to thank him for being on the program today. Uh, we also want to remind everybody to go on Facebook and uh, and click like on the Battle for Salvation uh, Facebook page. We want to make sure that everybody out there is uh, following us on Podbean, subscribing on iTunes, leave a review, uh, you know, and uh, what else? Oh, yeah, we're going to skip the Keys for Salvation this week because we feel as though uh, John had said so much in the interview that that kind of uh, that kind of counts. So, uh, so I guess that'll be it. So for battles for salvation podcast, I've been Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And we'll see you all next time.